0: Hello, Barbara cole Salmeron here with the Empowered Relationships blog and podcast. And today I'm talking to author Courtney Ram, who just wrote the book, Eris Rising. And this is such a fantastic book, Courtney. This I could not put it down. I was on an airplane flight for Thanksgiving and I was annoyed that my flight was over. Like I wish I was on an international flight because I would have finished it all in one sitting. And I think this needs to be made into a movie, personally. Um, It's it's a wonderful story. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you chose to write this book?
1: Yeah, well, thank you so much. And thanks for interviewing me today. Um, So I'm a dancer and my whole life was in dance. I always loved writing, um, but I never knew that I'd write a book, um, this kind of, I never knew I'd write a memoir, i will say that. I always envisioned, you know, one day I'll write a book, one of those life goals a lot of people have. Um, so I'm from New York City, I trained in ballet, went to the School of American Ballet for many years, and I was really on a path, um, kind of going, you know, one way, kind of a linear, linear, linear path. Um, and ended up living in Hawaii. which was my dream and starting a dance company. And then I entered into a relationship that literally turned my life upside down. So in 16 months, everything that I knew about my life, everything that was true about my life had been flipped around um, after this relationship. And it was so intense. And at the time, it was not a fun experience. It was actually quite... horrible experience to go through and a lot of suffering and a lot of pain in that um, time and even after that time and healing and yet i knew there was some message in there that would help other women other people who are going through difficult relationships and this book came from that it wasn't a moment where i was like i'm going to use my story and share it it was really this inner inspiration that when something really awful happens to you, how do you take that and turn it into something good and turn it into a source of growth and um, share that with other people? So the book came from this desire to, to share my story, to help others, and also came from somewhere, I don't know, just like this welling forth of a book. Um, like I said, I hadn't been planning on writing. So that's a very nutshell version of how this book got to be.
0: Now, when you say difficult relationship, you're not talking about just run-of-the-mill relationship problems. In fact, this segment we are titling, Are You Dating a Vampire? So tell me, tell, tell our listeners and our readers what you mean or what we mean here when we say, Are You Dating a Vampire?
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's a great question. And as you being a relationship, relationship coach I'm sure you see a full spectrum of different kinds of relationship problems and I'm guessing some of them are fixable and maybe some of them are not fixable so I think I was probably in the category of not fixable Um, I'll say that because I actually tried everything I could to fix that relationship um, which didn't have any effect on it sadly but um, yeah so the term vampire it sounds like we're doing some Halloween show, but um, it's really a person that is going to take who you are and take that from you and take your beauty, your purity your innocence your maybe naiveness um, your trust and suck that and then use it for their own benefit so it's not a good it's not a good person to be in relationship with, especially a close intimate partnership with because It's almost hard to see it, especially if you're in love with that person, um, that your spirit and your soul are actually being sucked out of you. And it happens in little minute steps. If it was to happen all at once, if this person was going to be dressed like a vampire and you're going to meet him, obviously you're going to run the other way. But if someone is charming, good looking, maybe dressed well, talks well, sexy, everything you kind of thought in your head this is going to be a good potential husband or potential you know, partner you wouldn't know to run away you'd actually probably run towards that person and then little by little you're losing yourself that happens in so many ways manipulation gaslighting um, I'm sure a lot of things that you cover in your courses maybe hopefully uh, <laughs> to warn women of what could happen um, but it's for me, what happened was I had a set of values, and I was almost conditioned, manipulated to let go of all my values. Obviously, I played a part in that too. But it was, it was happening so intensely that I couldn't even sort through what was my uh, own decision anymore. But giving away of my values to please someone else to such an extreme that. After 16 months, there was nothing left of really who I was anymore, and I was just like a shell of shell of a person trying to save an unsavable relationship. If you want me to give examples, let me know. If that's too, um, you know, philosophical.
0: <laughs> well, and so. I, I do help women and coach women on on leaving what we would call unhealthy relationships or these vampire relationships where um, and I, I coach men as well uh, when we're in a relationship with someone who just keeps taking these bites out of us like like you say your your values start to erode you you're not in alignment with your true self because the people that we're talking about in this instance and from what I gather from reading your book, and I'm not a psychotherapist, however, I do have experience with sociopaths and extreme narcissists, and I've done a lot of studying on this, and those are people that there is no cure, they, they are missing connections in parts of their brain that would allow them to feel remorse and empathy for other people, and that would allow them to... Uh, decipher between good and bad right and wrong and make better decisions so sociopaths and extreme narcissists are missing some of those some of those functions that we all normally have and therefore they end up being master manipulators and so just like you said they're very charming very charismatic they will tell you everything that you want to hear Right. Uh, even though it's not the truth, so this is your your proverbial sheep in uh, or sorry wolf in sheep's clothing. That's that's these guys. Um, so are so were there any specific signs that you could share with us if someone's wondering if they're in a relationship with a vampire? Any specific things that they could be looking out for?
1: Yes, definitely. Um, well, first, I'll say, read my book. You can read it on a plane <laughs> in a few days um, because I'm going to share some of you today. But the story of how to get, how I just got sucked into that, and how it really could happen to anyone—that's the plot of my book. I mean, true, true story plot of my book, um, and how I left that situation and healed from that. Um, but right away, there was an inconsistency between words and actions and that started in the very beginning and that went till the end and beyond the end even with continued communication um when the relationship was even over so like saying one thing yet actions being a hundred percent the opposite it started off you know very with dating something like oh i'll come to your performance next week and doesn't show up okay you know it's fine then like three times of that, four times of that, Oh, I'll come to this, I'll come to that, okay. So it was like, those were very early signs, Not nothing like heartbreaking right? about that yet. But then when that goes on and you're having children with this person and you're living together and you expect things they say to be true and they go and do the opposite and then somehow it's turned around and you're blamed for it. So it's like, wait a second. And when that's happening, hundreds, maybe thousands of times, you start to go crazy. You start to think, wait, is he crazy? Am I crazy? I thought, I mean, I'll give that first example, the missed performances. That's actually in the book because it was very early on. And um, in the end, I was actually blamed for that. Well, you're, you're putting out emotional flakiness and I'm just responding to that. And I was like, oh, that sounds a little <laughs> out there. But it's those kind of, it started off, you know, pretty um, not on a huge level, but then it escalated. And those are things to look out for. Am I, is someone saying something doing the complete opposite and then telling me I'm to blame? Like that doesn't make any sense. And it's having people like Barbara, um, like coaches who are going to, or people and coaches or people in your life that are going to speak truth to you and just kind of mirror back to you what's happening. That's going to help you realize that because It's so hard when you're stuck in those relationships. Another thing that happens is they'll cut you off from other people. So in my case, um, my story starts in Hawaii and we moved um, to Dallas, Texas, when I was six and a half months pregnant, leaving behind an entire community. So I was taken from my support system and that's a tactic. How do you isolate this person from all sources of support? That they can't be going out making friends telling their story you know like friends do like telling about their lives getting you know advice um that wasn't really an option so isolating um isolating the person you know words and actions totally disconnected those are two um, red flags and let's see what else i'm sure there's a ton of these um
0: Well, like you said, the gaslighting, which is where, you know, you have your intuition and, you know, something's off and something's wrong. And then they make you seem like you're crazy for even thinking that. I know I had a client who, uh, she knew her husband was cheating on her. She knew it in her gut. She, she call it women's intuition or whatever. And she found the phone numbers and the women's names and she would, smell the perfume she knew it and he just for years would deny it and oh you're just making things up and you're imagining things and then he would turn it around why don't you trust me and make her feel bad for questioning him and yeah. she finally yeah. did. yeah she finally got out of that marriage and so that's the gaslighting part right for people who don't know what gaslighting is they make you think you're crazy they make you doubt yourself and this particular client is exactly what she said was out of everything that he did, all of the cheating, all of the lying, the worst thing that he did to her was to make her question herself and her own intuition and her own inner knowing. And it took her years to recover that because these manipulators just can, can damage our self-esteem and our, our self-view and our worldview to, to such a degree.
1: Absolutely yeah i had the same experience as your friend um and it's it's really hard when it's coming from someone that you're in love with so my my story is unique that it takes place in such a short period of time involving two children being born um so it was very intense it was like that falling in love that russia falling in love and then babies and then boom it's over um so it wasn't like I think that's what makes my story a little different. It wasn't drawn out over five years or 10 years or 20 years, um, which would have been probably a lot easier in a sense, but a lot more damaging. Um, The damage would have been deeper, but it would have been easier to endure if it wasn't so intense. that makes sense? Um, But yeah, definitely. I was, you know, I would hear things like, well, you should go to therapy. You're paranoid. Um, You don't trust me. And then you really start to think, oh my gosh, let me try harder. And then it's like this total, this energy is all messed up. Like that's, that's unhealthy, right? Like so unhealthy that how do you even straighten that out without a coach or someone not entangled in your mess, but someone outside that's a non-biased person that could really help you. So I just have to take a moment and give a brief shout out to Barbara because she is an incredible coach. and. She is amazing that she doesn't tell people what to do because I am a strong-willed person. And (laughs) when people tell me what to do, I tend to just like, okay, let me think about that. Probably not. But Barbara is such an amazing coach. I mean, life coach, relationship coach, whatever, every kind of coaching. I think you're like have the genetic imprint for being an amazing coach. I, I honestly do because you help people without telling them do this do this do this do this because every decision has to come from the person i think right that's probably probably important um so you helped me so much in leaving that relationship and healing without ever saying you know get on the plane and go which other people did and it was fine but i wasn't ready it has to come from the person but you have a way of coaching that shows it's like a mirror you mirror back to someone so yeah, Barbara's hands down, um, best coach I've ever, (laughs) I've ever worked with. Um, not to mention we go way back as friends, so that helps, but, um, Barbara is an incredible
0: coach. Well, thank you. (laughs) Thank you for that. And yeah, we actually knew each other in Hawaii and then I moved to Dallas. And about a year later, coincidentally, you moved to Dallas and our, our friendship increased. And I remember that he also didn't want you going and having social time with me. So that's another aspect. Like he's like you said, they isolate They isolate you from your support system, being family, friends, whatever. And um, I know he was quite endearing to your family too. Your family loved him because he could just put on this show that wasn't real. It's incredible what these manipulators can do. And you're right in that someone's not going to leave a relationship until they're entirely ready. And unfortunately, what happens for women is we try everything we need to know before we leave a relationship that we tried everything to to make it work you know and then finally when a woman is ready to leave a relationship she's she's had enough she's tried everything and I think you you really did I mean from everything that you described in your book you really tried to hang in there you held out hope for the promises that he uh dangled for you the promises of marriage and this happy life and this dream that you got glimpses of because he will show you glimpses right of this beautiful ideal life you can have together but unfortunately that was more fiction and the 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 life together was not all of that beautiful harmonious um synchronistic you know type of a relationship that that people are looking for So when, when did you start to get an idea that you might be in a relationship with a vampire?
1: Well, I will say that I saw some red flags right away. Um, I started having premonitional dreams actually right in the beginning um, of things that were to come and other, you know, the other red flags popping up, however, I was also, I'm also a determined person, as I said before, like I kind of, I'm a Leo. I kind of want what I want and no one's going to stop me. So I saw this, this vision and I saw this dream of this life I could have um, with, this, with this guy that I thought was perfect. And I went for it kind of putting the red flags um, to the wayside, which obviously I've learned my lesson now and living through that. You can never repeat those exact mistakes again um, after you go through something so intense. But so I'd say I knew, okay, so this is a tough question because I think it really took it to get pretty bad for me to realize that my soul was, was dying. It took it to get to almost the point of leaving. Um, I just wanted it to work so badly. I wanted as you said, I wanted the dream. I wanted the happy family. I wanted both parents with a baby. I didn't want to be a single mom. I mean, there's so many things that I refuse to look at the reality. And sometimes um, people would send me, you know, like text messages, like read this article, people that were looking out for me, friends. And I wouldn't want to read them. I wouldn't want to stay in my fan. Can't be true. So, um, I was unwilling to see that vampire quality until I was so destroyed that I had to just, you know, it was like so obvious. Okay. Like my soul is dying. This is going to be my life. I'm just going to like barely survive. Like, I mean, in my case, it was actually literally barely survive. I was escaping to people's houses for my own, my baby's safe, newborn safety. I had a fear of the violence that was occurring in our house. And I mean, it was really a level of abuse that I had never experienced. I had never witnessed. I came from a family, my parents happily married, um, for many, many, many years and still would be my father passed away, but they would still happily married. And I saw that, you know, that dream. So, it took me to get to the end, which is why I think it's so important that we're having these conversations, because especially with um, I feel like social media and the Instagram fantasy world, um, it's like you see all these perfect couples and like I have those pictures, too. But that's that's not what was really going on. You know, like what's behind that cute selfie you're taking? Like, is there like what's going on in your house? What's You know, so I feel like there's needs to be a conversation about these manipulators, these vampires, because there's, they're too common. And women get sucked in, they get thrown out, they try to move on. And it's like, they never really knew what happened to them. Um, In my case, there's two children and in a book. So there's more, you know, introspection on it. And we're having this conversation today. But I do feel like it's important to bring awareness um, to that topic.
0: Absolutely. And, and as you said, you know, the, the manipulator will isolate uh, the other person from the a support system. And so I, I just want to say to anyone listening could be a man or a woman, you know, if you feel like you're in a relationship with a vampire, um, a sociopath or extreme narcissist, then it, it, I really advise having a couple of sessions with a therapist or with a coach. It's great to talk to your friends, but your friends sometimes aren't impartial and they're not necessarily professionally trained. So having a couple, first of all, reading a lot about sociopaths and narcissists, you'll start to see all of the the signs there, but having a conversation with a coach or a therapist can really shed some light on it because whatever situation we're in personally, whether it's financial or relationship or health, you know, it's almost like if we're in the the bottom of a deep hole, we can't see how to get ourselves out, you know, it's just dark, and we can't see the solution, we can't see the way out. But people, you know, friends, family, and, and qualified professionals that are, you know, up standing around the edge of the hole, can see they can see down they have a different perspective they're not in the middle of the situation when we're in the middle of the situation it's so hard to think clearly and to to be able to rationally see somebody's behavior but the your loved ones and other professionals that are outside of the situation can definitely have a different perspective and let you know like that is not normal in a relationship for him to not care about your needs, for him to take delight in harming innocence, which is another thing that they do, the gaslighting and such. So I just I know how isolating it can be to be in one of those relationships. So I just encourage people to reach out um, to someone to get a different perspective so they know that they're not going crazy because it's exactly what the manipulator wants the other person to think is that they're going crazy
1: well going off of what you're saying in terms of um leaving those relationships a support system is is necessary so the temptation to go back to those relationships no matter how toxic or unhealthy or abusive um, they are is extreme like i think most people i read a statistic somewhere Um, most people that leave relationships like that end up going back because it's too hard. It's like a drug addiction. It's how do you, how do you really break that bond with someone who, you know, there's something called trauma bonding. It's actually a more intense kind of bonding than a healthy relationship. When someone's harmed you, either psychologically, emotionally, in any way, um, that extreme release of adrenaline and then the subsequent oxytocin when you get, you know, guys make up an hour later, a day later. So it's like this cycle of trauma bond, which is very deep. So in my case, um, because I had my community taken from me when I left Hawaii and moving around a lot, it was my family that ended up being my support. And I think everyone needs to find that support, whether it's friends or family coaches, therapists, um, because the temptation to go back, as you'll read in my book, I mean, I would have been on the plane going back. The new baby, you know, five-month-old, pregnant. How could you not go back? And I remember sitting in my therapist's office, and she's like, you know what? You're right. It'd be easier for you to go back. But in the long run, it's going to be so much harder for you. So it was I, I really – that was so hard to swallow, but I was glad she at least acknowledged what I was feeling. It was like, it would be easier to, to not leave. But yeah, what are you, what is the damage to your soul? What is the damage to your spirit? And then what, what is your lesson out of this? Like, can you grow? Can you become empowered? Can you find that self-worth that you realize on a deep level that you don't deserve that? You know, you deserve so much better and there will be someone better. And can you be okay being alone without that partner? I'm, I'm getting all like <laughs> philosophical, but um a lot of people have to leave narcissists with children and the coach said to me she said no dad is better than like a bad dad or an abusive dad and i was like really <laughs> really like really it's okay because i was so worried about that um but then i was like you know even my baby's first few months witnessing all the yelling, witnessing all the abuse um, in our house. Like, she was a few months, but it was going in there, it was seeping into her. And yeah, it's better that they're not getting that. Sure, they'll miss out on some other things, but you have to weigh the options, you know? Like, so anyway, um, I, a lot of people are in this situation with children. I've heard from a lot of them. I get messages on social media a lot, people that have read my book. And they want to leave but they have these kids maybe three kids and it's like what do you do well what is your soul telling you to do and what are the consequences of staying you know yeah leaving is going to be hard but what is it going to do to you to stay in that like is that gonna and that's something you asked me actually i have to say i'm having a flashback you asked me something like that um um one of those walks and i was like whoa
0: barbara <laughs> I remember that. I remember asking you two questions. The one was, if nothing changes, if he continues his behaviors towards you and the suspected stuff or confirmed stuff with other women. And, and I said, if, if nothing changes, because the way I saw him, he was not going to change who he was. And uh, I said, if nothing changes, are you going to be happy with this being in this relationship for years and years? And of course, your answer was no, because you were hoping for a lot of changes, as any sane person would. And then the second question was, you know, is it going to be okay for your kids to have a view of this is what a relationship is about? Because when children witness this, you know, our first eight years from conception to eight years old is when we form about 90% of our beliefs about the world and about ourselves and about relationships and so even little kids and infants as they witness these interactions between their parents they're going to see oh this is what's normal for a relationship it's normal for daddy to be yelling and for mommy to be crying and and that's why these it's called a cycle of abuse that gets perpetuated because then those kids as adults even though they they might know it's not normal there's there's this imprint and there's this belief that is created at a young age and that abuse is just normal. That's that's what they saw, and so for the sake of your children's well-being and future relationships, and just like I would say to anyone listening, that we have to think of of the kids and breaking that cycle. And yes, it, it sucks to come from a, a broken home or a divorced home or or something like, like that, that. But abuse is way worse and the kids witnessing that abuse, even if he's not abusive to the children, just them witnessing the abuse causes that trauma um, that can be so damaging. Yeah. So so somehow you found the strength to leave. So what was that like? And what is your life like now? (laughs) So um, there was a moment where I decided to leave
1: and it had gotten pretty bad at that point. Um, and then after that decision, I ended up changing my mind about 50 more times, just being honest with you, um, because I was basing it off of the other person. And so he would show me he changed, and so I'd say, okay, well, I'm gonna stay. And then he'd show me he didn't change, so I'd okay, I'm gonna go. I mean, it wasn't that happy, like, I'm gonna stay, it was more like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna stay. you know, it was very painful. And to flip flop like that was, was exhausting emotionally. Um, you know, to think I'm leaving, okay, I'm going to pack up and then, but wait, he's just, you know, professed his love for me and bought me all this stuff. And this is it. Like he's really changed this time. So it was definitely, it wasn't one moment. And that was the moment. It was one moment. And then another, I'd say like two months or month of going back and forth. And in my case, Um, I was continuing to go back and forth for so long that the universe stepped in and got me out of that situation. I could tell you, but it would ruin the climax of my book. (laughs) Um, it was not fun. It was not pretty. It involved ambulances and uh, a lot of horrible, horrible things I had to experience but it got me out of that relationship and of that whole situation that was tied into in a way that I could never go back. And that was the only way it was gonna work, if it, for me at least, um, because I was so, you know, sad I was pregnant. If I had left in like a nicer amicable way, I would have found my way back, like undoubtedly. Um, So in my case, it was this constant indecision. And if you're not gonna make a decision, the universe, if you're asking for a sign, which I was asking for signs, um, came right in and was like, boom, and explosion and get out. So, um, yeah, not do not recommend <laughs> wavering for so long until something explodes. Um, because, of course, if you have that initial gut feeling, that's, that's something you have to go on and that's going to save you even more um, pain. So, again, why I wrote my book. I wanted to share my story so that people can learn and in their own situations, you know, apply it and say, okay, like if I feel it's time to leave, I need to leave. I'm not going to wait another month, another two months, another year until something's so bad that it's going to, you know, really harm me. Um, so, so the universe giving the extra push to leave. And again, there's was that family support bubble where people could be their, you know, close friends around, around me so that I wouldn't go back um and what is my life like so yeah life uh you know i feel like time is the greatest healer so it took really a full year to to heal from that um experience it was a 16 month relationship so i'm like a very type a person i like to have all my to-do lists and everything on the calendar it's like okay let me give myself two months to heal that sounds like a good good ratio like 16 months in two months and then i'm gonna restart my life i was like determined like nothing you know nothing like i don't care i'm pregnant whatever baby i'm just two months and i'm gonna just restart um so it took a lot longer than two months and um i really believe that time in itself is just such a great healer because the time allows those wounds to heal you know if your heart is like broken and shattered you can't say okay heart you have two months to get back and we're gonna meet someone new and then (laughs) maybe some people it works like that but I found that it's healing was really like not a linear path it was it was a messy path um or not messy but you know curvy curvilinear path um so I yeah I went back to what I love which is dance and I ended up, um, after 10 years of being out of college, I went back to grad school, moved to New York City, got an apartment with a nine-month-old and a one-year-old. And I made all kinds of things happen (laughs) that I definitely would would not have done if I was still in that relationship. Um, And yeah, just continuing on my path and um, really working with um, children now in dance and how can we empower children through dance, because I love dance is like who I am. And helping empower children so that they have this self-worth that they won't get themselves into these situations when they're older. That's what I'm looking at now. And that's what I'm um, developing behind the scenes. Now it's a sneak preview is a dance curriculum that empowers children. um, Like I said, so that those beliefs, those core beliefs from zero to seven or zero to eight are in place and they're going to help them succeed in life.
0: That's beautiful, I can't wait to see what you what you end up doing. That's going to be fantastic. I know your love for dance and your love for teaching children will just propel you forward into this new life. That's wonderful. Oh, thank you I wanted to say something about your recovery time from this relationship because yeah we think that you know a few months we should be over it, but earlier you had mentioned oxytocin, and that's a very interesting dynamic especially for women because estrogen um, increases the effects of oxytocin while testosterone decreases the effects of oxytocin so this is why women are often more affected by oxytocin than men are and oxytocin is a bonding chemical right the the love hormone and and we get a, a shot of oxytocin a little dose of it Every time we're with the person, really every time we see their name come up on our phone or we see a picture of them. And one of the mentors I've studied with has said when we are in love with someone, the effects of oxytocin will last for a year or even two years. And so what she recommended was we have to go two years without seeing their name, seeing their face, because every time they pop up in our Field of vision, we're getting another oxytocin shot, which is deepening that bond or keeping that bond connected. And so, did you find that to be true? That you had to withdraw from seeing what he was up to?
1: Oh my god, absolutely! And you did give me that advice. I, I remember a phone call back uh, years ago where you said you need to, <laughs> you need to do this. I mean, you didn't tell you need to, but you you advised me. Um, and I mean, it's hard if someone's dealing with like a legal custody thing with kids and, you know, there's, there's things that can make that more challenging. In that case, I'd say like, get a really good lawyer and kind of step out, um, so that you can heal. Um, so yes, absolutely. And I've even heard, um, you can get allergic to someone's name or like, you know, like it's actually can produce, um, a physical reaction, which I noticed. So what I found that right away, um, you know, any kind of like searching the person or anything, I would start to get sweaty palms. My heart would start to race, um, and it would affect me for like two days. And it was like devastating. I, you know, I had two babies to care for. I couldn't like be in those cycles again. So yeah, I had to cut cut out completely. And for me, um, a couple years later, going back to school and being back into student mode was just a great way to completely like, you know, changing your life in some way to get that person out was something I needed to do. Or even just, you know, going back to work, going back to something you love, going back to a hobby or a passion. Um, So you have something else for your brain to like dwell on versus um, that old scenario that you were in. So yeah, I definitely experienced everything you just said about those oxytocin hits. And the physical reaction, I would, the adverse physical reaction I would have, um, which made it even more important to make sure those reminders were removed as much as I could possibly limit them, which was, for most part, everything, which is what allowed me to heal. And then, of course, I had to write the book because I felt this, you know, Colin to write the book, and I was like, okay, so I need to go, like, write about all this? <laughs> like, I just, <laughs> like, I thought this is the past. Um, I started the book a year after I left so it was like I had that first year of like really you know healing which was not fun it was a lot of suffering and healing and then I sat down to write this book which took a year Um, but for me writing was actually healing and it allowed me to see my situation differently because I had only been in it I hadn't like just you know really described it or written and It also allowing, you know, a new art form. So dance is like an art form and then writing is an art form. So it's like finding a new expression. Um, So I found it healing, but most people are like, how did you, how did you deal with writing about all this? I'm asking your question for you. That's (laughs) okay. um, So it was really, um, it was healing. It also brought up a lot of other emotions like anger and frustration and, and hurt seeing, seeing things with a new perspective, um, but overall, it was, it was empowering to know that I could one day share this with people. That was really the main thing.
0: I've heard that, that writing someone's story can be very healing and very cathartic. And, you know, yes, all of those emotions are going to come up. And unfortunately, we have to go through those emotions to feel them. They say to heal it, you got to feel it, you know. And we try all sorts of things to avoid feeling. However, in the end, you know, until we really feel and resolve those emotions and forgive ourselves, then it's still going to have some sort of power over us. And I love your suggestion about, or what you, what you happen to do is brilliant, finding something else to focus on, especially something that you love. So whether it's going back to school for something that you love or getting involved again with hobbies and friends and groups. Like really, because there is going to be a, a lost love to some degree. And so replacing that with something else, something healthier. So you're not just sitting around all day thinking about him. Right. That's that's brilliant. Any final thoughts on this? I just want to say, I've got the book here. I love it. And, um, It's definitely a page turner, and I think this should be made into a movie. And I know we can get this on Amazon, right?
1: Yep, it's on
0: Amazon.
1: Um, We can include the link, so you guys can just click on that. And, yeah, um, I just think it's interesting, Barbara, that our, our connection has come in such a full circle, meeting you, playing the gong in Hawaii, and then... Um, knowing you in Dallas and then knowing you and we're not living in the same place, but we're still very connected. So I think it's, it's just interesting. Your business, your company is called empowered relationships, right? Right. Yeah. And um, my book, you know, my, my whole thing in my book was I really wanted to empower women to, to leave those relationships or to, you know, find their own strength within. So I do feel like there's, I'm I'm flipping it around. I'm asking you a question. <laughs> um, <All right. laughs> so like, does a person have to be empowered to be in an empowered relationship? Does that, is that a prerequisite? Do you need two? Does it take two?
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting because a lot of people would say it takes two and sometimes, sometimes it does. However, the, the, the material and the tools that I teach with my students and my coaching clients allows people in healthy relationships. So my material does not apply to people who are vampires because there is no fixing them. The advice is run the other way as fast as you can. But when we're talking about a healthy relationship, one person making a change, for example, you know, showing appreciation to their partner instead of criticism, can start to change the dynamic of the relationship because when one person shows up differently, then they can bring out the best in their partner. So I have a, I had a history of bringing out the worst in my partners. I was a hot mess in relationships. And then I learned how to interact with men differently. And I created a totally different outcome in my marriage and we just celebrated five years together. So I had to change how I was relating to men in relationships in order to bring out the best in them instead of the worst. So in that case, it only takes one. However, it is with the hope that the person will see the efforts and, and create a, a stronger, more empowered relationship for both people.
1: Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yes, it's true. It takes, it takes two healthy people right, to have, to have a healthy relationship. I
0: love that advice. Turn around and run as fast as you can. Yes. Well, if it's a vampire, you know, which means an energy drain, a self-esteem drain, all of those things. Um, You know, I, I encourage people to read about sociopaths and narcissists and know that insurance companies typically refuse to pay for psychotherapy for some of these people because there is no cure. So when the medical community says there is no cure for this, your love is not going to magically heal this person, right? And I'm sorry that you had to learn that the hard way. And so that's our advice for the someone in a relationship or dating a vampire, just run the other way. There's nothing you can do but save yourself and Save your children and go find someone happy, which I know is in your future. You will find a wonderful man and, and have a beautiful family and a wonderful purpose-driven life. And I'm so excited for you to do that.
1: Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for, for having me on your, your podcast, your show, not your show, yes. you on your show, today. And yeah, this was, thank you. Really
0: it. You're welcome. It was a pleasure talking to you and I will include the link um, for the Amazon book in the description. And is there another website that people can go to to learn more about you?:
1: Yes, you can go to my website, which is courtneyramramm.com. and I'm also on Instagram, Courtney underscore
0: RAM. Okay, perfect. I'll include those links as well. Well, it's a pleasure speaking with you. And I can't wait to see your book on the big screen. I know it'll get there.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. welcome. Goodbye.